0: I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. I am more than a maker.
1: I'm more than an outdoorsman.
0: More than a protector.
1: Than a graduate. Than a princess. An athlete. A pastor. I am more than a warrior. I am, I am Choctaw proud. I am Choctaw proud. I am Choctaw proud. We are the Choctaw Nation and together we're more.
0: I'm here today with author Carol Lee Maxwell to share the stories of her grandpa, her papa, Charlie from her book, Touched by Greatness. This is part two of this episode and we left off with Charlie graduating from Chilocco and being given the opportunity to study at an Ivy League prep school called Mercersburg. So Charlie heads to Pennsylvania and that trip took four days. This had to been a challenging time in his life. There's an enormous cultural difference between those who live in Oklahoma, much less American Indian people, and those of the Northeast. Not to mention he was not from an influent family and the people attending the school for it were you know, certainly from elite families. Think about it listeners, you go from being surrounded by other people who look like you and at the time, your people are persecuted for the color of their skin now you're leaving the only place you've ever known, kind of a safe space to go live among non-natives and well-to-do families much less who have never seen an American Indian and who also have extremely different cultural and social personalities. In 1914, Charlie steps off the train at Cumberland Valley Railroad Station in the small town of Mercersburg, Pennsylvania. And he's picked up by a gentleman who's in a Model T shuttle truck. And once in the truck, he was greeted in a way that really didn't surprise him. Why don't you read an excerpt, Carolee, from uh, this
1: portion of your book? Um, He said, where are you from, Injun? One of the re- riders asked. Oklahoma, Charlie answered calmly, not warming up to the engine title, but being <laughs> accustomed to such discriminatory remarks. Did you live in a teepee? Mm-hmm. The next insult came as laughter erupted from the group. No, Charlie answered again calmly as he looked the boy straight in the eye. I mostly just lived in a dorm room. A hush fell over the group, and the boys seemed to be somewhat puzzled at Charlie's answer. <laughs> they had not expected such a direct answer in such well spoken English.
0: Hmm, they weren't expecting that, <laughs> yeah, no, you
1: know? <laughs>
0: no. Oh, that had to have been so uncomfortable, mm. poor Charlie. Mm. So tell us about Mercer'sburg, the school. What would Charlie uh, have seen once he arrived there?
1: Well, at that time there were three large brick buildings mm-hmm. uh, with three stories, and all of them, of course, had a basement. and Eighty eight dormitory housed uh, houses, and one hundred are housed, and one hundred and twenty five mm-hmm. of the them close to four hundred young men. And the campus is a gothic uh, oh. uh, setting, and still is beautiful. beautiful. Oh my gosh! Beautiful. In fact, uh, the uh, chapel that was built—that my papa even the years a year or two after he left sent money for the chapel that was being built oh, really? at that time. So, uh, huh. Uh, it's beautiful chapel beautiful still in existence mm-hmm.
0: I can picture it
1: yes. from the way you describe yes. it in the book
0: yes. it sounds amazing uh-huh. who were the other two Native Americans that attended Mercersburg? <clears throat>
1: Lewis Louis Tyner was a Shawnee Indian from Kansas and uh, Earl Gibson, John Earl Gibson a Pima Indian from Arizona mm-hmm. and uh, and his name was name his Indian name was Shnataha, uh, no, Shnatana, yes.
0: or something like that, yes. right? Yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> be hard to remember that. Yes, yeah. So I mean, it must have been nice for him to have somebody there that looks kind of yes. like him, right? Yes, but that they,
1: yes, they, of course, bonded. Yeah, <laughs> they get their uh, uh, comfort. Yeah, with each other. I can only imagine. Yes, I mean, you're far yes, away from home, yes.
0: totally new land. So, and then all three of them shared one dorm room. Tell us more about their dorm.
1: Well, <clears throat> of course, they were in the same dorm as the others, and they—they uh, 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 they really, I can tell you. My Papa probably felt like he, he was in luxury, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I don't uh, knowing that uh but they were together, the three mm-hmm. were and they like I said, they found the comfort with each other and the, That's nice. because they the others wanted to be segregated from them. Mm. and uh but they were uh very uh. Uh, excited to know what their future would be. Yeah. My papa was. And that he wanted to do all the things that he needed to do in order to uh, be accepted. And Mm -hmm. the only way that he felt like that he could be accepted was just to do the best he could to fit in. Absolutely. To the white man's culture. Indeed. And, uh, uh, but little did they know that my papa was very academically, uh, he had intelligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they all became very shocked. At the, but the boys, <laughs> yep. as far as the dorm and living and all of that, I think they really got to feeling more comfortable with their... yeah. Living, I'm glad around. they did put them together, mm-hmm. though. Yes. It's yes.
0: Big changes, though. Yes.
1: Oh, big changes. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so you state that they had been schooled well in the ways of their white counterparts and knew how to appear gracious but cautious at times. They moved into their room quietly and tried to stay out of harm's way by handling all the racial slurs and innuendos the Indian way. And they stayed together as much as possible, finding help and security with one another, as you mentioned. So, what were the other students like, the non native students, like to Torch Harley and most likely John and Lewis?
1: Uh, not knowing the, uh, all that the elitists probably had always heard about the Indian, uh, that they were lacking in a lot of things Mm. Uh, but here's the thing Uh, my papa made it a challenge he even uh, was that type of person that he wanted he wanted to do what he could do in order to uh, uh, become a part of Not only the elitist culture, but just the American way. Mm Yeah. And so he would do what he had to do through education and being educated, and knowing that that would be the thing that would get him to be accepted. He used his education
0: kind of as a power, in a way, right? Yes,
1: he did. Not in a
0: bad way, but 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 a good good way. way. Yeah. Wow, you talk in the book a little bit how some of those guys would pull up and chauffeur cars, they gave orders, they didn't yes. smile, yes. and Charlie noticed that, you know, because yes. he wasn't really yes. used to that kind of culture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, so they would get prepared for school. Once they arrived on campus, they'd spend the entire day being fitted for clothing and getting supplies and suits and ties were worn every day. White collar starch, they were given a meager allowance to have their clothes cleaned. It was everything you'd think in an elite preparatory Ivy league, Ivy league preparatory school. So, um, so these young men were being prepared for the Ivy. So there really was a, a sense of expectation, correct?
1: Oh, yes, uh, with it being a uh, preparatory school, an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. uh, yes, uh, grooming was a part about it, a whole, uh, yeah part of it, uh, giving uh, a more professional… Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, yes, he, he didn't mind. Mm-hmm. The suit. He liked
0: it. Yeah.
1: And then in fact, he uh, uh, he continued on in his life wearing vest and really? everything that, that he had learned at the academy.
0: Well, and here's the book. You know, you can mm-hmm. see him in his suit and tie yes. right there. Yes. So it looks like a lot of pride <laughs> there. Yeah, these guys were following their fathers' elite. Footsteps, You know, going to Harvard and Dartmouth and all of that. So it makes sense that there was a lot of pressure there for everyone. Mm -hmm. So so there was a breakthrough with some of Charlie's schoolmates when it came to football. So tell us about that.
1: Uh, With him only being 135 pounds when he played, uh, he didn't know the reason why he wasn't being played was because of his weight or because he was Indian, but he was so determined that he was going to be a part of the team and uh uh he wasn't being played very often but uh, uh in the beginning and none mm-hmm. at all in fact but when uh he would take uh, during practices and all uh, he <laughs> they got to respect him more and more because he loved to hit <laughs> and all 135 uh, yeah, pounds, pounds of, him. of him he loved to hit and he would bring down the big ones and wow. uh, the big players and so the, of course the coaches noticed all of this and so they <laughs> began planning wow that's great yes it is and I love that he had to prove himself again even on the football field exactly so education mm-hmm. football yes. but he did yes. it and he didn't yes.
0: Have any excuses, he didn't let excuses get in the way, which he could have easily done, and it would have been understandable. So, it really says a lot about his spirits and spirit and good sportsmanship because he would even cheer on other players when he wasn't able to play himself. So And you also talk about his strong faith in God. Students were required to attend Sunday morning and evening services. And the first sermon of the school year was always given by headmaster headmaster Dr. William Mann Irvine, from whom Charlie had seen correspondence with Mr. Allen Eshelocco, and he really seemed to make an impression on Charlie. So uh, Dr. Irvine's a couple facts about him. He went to Princeton. He got a PhD in political science. Um, He became headmaster at Mercersburg at 28 years old in 1893. That was the same year that Charlie was Mm -hmm. born. He also went to seminary at Reformed Cemetery in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He was a football star at Princeton. He coached football at seminary school. He wrote articles for the New York Times. I should go look them up sometime. (laughs) Um, He did work for disadvantaged children and he came to Mercersburg when it was in debt and it was near foreclosure and turned it into the top four of the largest boarding schools in the first 10 years. So that's pretty impressive. And then Dr. Irvine had become good friends with Rodman Wanamaker in their Princeton days. So Mr. Wanamaker, as you mentioned, was um, basically this philanthropist and he was the son of a wealthy, Philadelphia businessman, owner of Wanamaker department stores in Philadelphia and New York City, later becoming Macy's, by the way. And after graduation from Princeton, Wanamaker became partners with his father. So side note, you brought to light the fun fact that in 1916, Wanamaker invited 35 prominent golfers And industrial leaders to a luncheon in New York City at the Taplow Club for an exploratory meeting. And from that meeting, they formed the Professional Golfers Association, or the PGA. So, fun fact there the winner of the PGA still receives the Wanamaker Trophy. That was very interesting yes, when I read yes, that. <laughs> yes, yes. Among many other interesting facts about Wanamaker and the events and products he produced were expeditions he sponsored to gather material on Native Americans as he believed the race was bound to become extinct. Your book states, educated whites on the East Coast soon became enthralled with the projects. Many of them accompanied the expositions in the Wild West to get a glimpse firsthand of the so-called savages. So Wanamaker had hired Dr. Joseph Dixon, and he took photographs and motion pictures of mm. those expeditions. Um, but it's interesting because he's the guy that would dress the Indians in native dress, even when it wasn't what they would typically wear. Yes. It's kind of weird. Yes. And some of these American Indians spoke English well and were highly educated, and they were uncomfortable posing in the awkward Native dress. Mm -hmm. So interesting. So sounds like Dr. Dixon went a little overboard there. Mm -hmm. And he also tried to take credit for pushing Congress to accept Native Americans as citizens of the US. But anyway, Wanamaker had a theory that education could bring the Indian race more successfully into white society. So that was the start of how your grandpa Charlie ended up at Mercersburg. So he basically had said, Wanamaker had said to Dr. Irvine at Mercersburg that he'd pay all these expenses. So I'm just kind of tying all that together for you listeners to see, to show you how it all came together. So, um, but, uh, what we didn't know until, you know, really you started doing that big research was that this was an experiment and I don't know that it was necessarily evil behind the scenes, but it really was something that they didn't. They weren't they, forthcoming no, with the boys. They never,
1: right? they never uh, realized. My papa never real, never knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, when we uh, read his files, it was in his files. That's and so that's the academy didn't realize it either.
0: They didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, something that Charlie also didn't know was how Dr. Irvine worried that this program would be too rigorous. Um, And I also found it interesting Mm. that Wanamaker (laughs) wasn't even involved in the experiment. No,
1: no. So he never came around. He never met Charlie. No, he (laughs) did. Well, he met him when when my papa worked one summer, went to New York, and worked one summer in his department store. Oh, okay. But that was. Uh, but that was uh, uh, the only time. That's crazy. And that's when my papa worked that summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, He uh, would on Sundays, John Philip Sousa would uh, be playing with his band on the uh, park there in New York City. And uh, my papa would go sit in the bench and listen to him. That's While John Philip Sousa became intrigued with him because he realized that he was an American Indian, or hmm. he was an Indian, and and uh, he came down one time, John Philip Sousa, and sat by him and asked him where he's from, hmm. and uh, they got to know one another.
0: Wow! So. I love that. I mean, Charlie's come a long way from living in Oklahoma and getting to see all these cool things. Yes. So Charlie really did earn his stripes academically and involvement-wise, though it seems. He was a member of the magazine staff, a polished writer, and a fierce debater. So back to Vivian, did Charlie and Vivian stay in touch while he was in Pennsylvania? Yes, they did,
1: right. (laughs) And I can tell you about my (laughs) little grandmother. When she did graduate from Shiloko, uh she wanted to be close to me. Mm. She went to Carlisle. Oh. <laughs> there <in> and <laughs> to Pizza be closer. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she realized they realized the school that she had all of the courses that she got from Shalako, and that she was just wasting her time going to mm. school there. But. When she was there, she never got to see him because, even though it wasn't very far, back then they never got to travel oh. to see one another. So oh, she no. realized she made a mistake. So she came <laughs> back to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, we built, we would laugh about it when they would tell the story.
0: Right. So much for that, poor Vivian. Yes, she tried. Yes. She was missing her man. Uh, yeah. and. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And by the way, do you have any of those letters from when they were apart?
1: No. Oh, my! I wish no, I, did. I know it. <laughs> I would have loved to have them.
0: Oh, wow. So, in fact, Vivian sent a letter saying she was going back home and she didn't care if she ever saw him again. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ladies, haven't we all been there at one point where we are like, whatever. Uh (laughs) So, But now, at this time, Charlie had been feeling ill for a while and the timing of this letter was really bad. So what was his illness?
1: Well, at that time, uh, he was put in the infirmary there at the uh, academy. And uh, one of the former students of Marcesburg was a doctor okay. in uh, D.C., Washington, Yeah, D.C. And uh, the headmaster, because my grandfather, they couldn't figure out what he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And this uh, physician who had been a former student, and Dr. Irvine had called him to come in, if he would come and check him out. And he did, and he put him on a diet of low sugar and mm, and mm-hmm. all. But that was the beginning of, and nobody knew back then that it was diabetes.
0: So there wasn't a medical name for it. No. no okay. Wow. There wasn't,
1: but this doctor did put him on a uh, strict diet and all, and he came out of, of that. Mm. But during this time, when he was he was still accomplishing what he needed to maintain his education and work on his studies. Wow! I don't know how he did either, because uh, he always said he almost he knew that he was really having a difficult time with wow. that illness.
0: That doctor was really sounds like he was forward thinking yes. for his
1: time. Yes, he, yeah. yes. I think oh, so. Because
0: Charlie could have died. I mean, yes, if you read in the have. book, like he yes. got really, really sick. So listeners, go get the book, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> it scared me at that point because I was like, I know he lives because yes. the book's about uh, him. Yes. But yes. yeah. And it's at Barnes & Noble. Oh, Or you okay. can get it on the web, Barnes & Noble or Amazon. So. Perfect.
0: Yes. And I'll be sure to put links to the book on my mm-hmm. Native Choctaw yes. Facebook yes. page sure. so y'all can easily yeah. find it. So that summer break, Charlie got to go home to Oklahoma before he went to Philadelphia to work in the lumber business for the summer. He went to visit Vivian on the banks of the Blue River. Tell us about the setting of the
1: Blue River. It sounds so pretty. It's beautiful. Mm. It still is. In fact, uh, uh, Quinn Tran did a segment on me on Blue River to oh. tell of, of my Chickasaw side, too, of the family. <clears throat> and I, and Wayne and I were able to uh, uh, tell of uh, where the family's allotment lands hmm. were and all, which the state owns now. Okay. But it's very serene, Blue River, and of course now—but back then there was just catfish and <laughs> trout Whether there yeah. was trout in it then, but now the state keeps it uh, with trout Yeah. and, it, and all. But it's, it was, uh, I was raised uh, going to see my great-grandmother there, and the only way we could get to the uh, home would be through the wagon, on a wagon. Oh, really? Even in my lifetime. Oh, my
0: goodness. That's amazing. uh, Yes,
1: and, uh, but it's a very serene setting there, and spring water into the, River and, mm-hmm. and uh, that my growing up years of uh, swimming in there, there were a lot of snakes, so we had to <laughs> we had to guard ourselves against the snakes <laughs> and all. But it was it was such a it's such a good uh, memory of yeah. Blue River, I and my that. papa loved it. He oh, loved steady. to go Aww. fishing there and and knowing that it was a part of their allotment land. And all.
0: You sound very connected to it.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, I can see it.
1: Yes, and he <laughs> was too. My papa was too. Very much. Um, well.
0: Now the Hughes house was a busy one. Ten children and all twelve family members yes. slept in one room, y'all. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in the summertime, the family slept outside. I quote from your book: "The entire area was infested with water moccasins."
1: <laughs> yes. I didn't yeah. know they were water yeah. moccasins yeah. when yeah. you yes. said snakes. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So trips to the privy at nighttime were always made with eyes peeled yes. and a good side yes. stick and
1: headlamps.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it uh, one could not carry a light as snakes are drawn to the light moonlight was the only safe light enough to use Going out to the privy on a cloudy night was just not worth the effort or the terror involved. So you just had to hold it, I guess. (laughs) Yes, yes. Chamber pots were often used instead. The stick was for raking spiders off from around the one holer and for gently feeling your way down the trail in case the occasional possum happened to be prowling down the path. Children learned to never walk with their heads in the clouds, but watched where their bare feet were stepping every minute. Such was the way of life and growing up on the river. I love it. Mm-hmm. So a big treat for the family was when they would take the eight-mile trip to Tishomingo, and they had to really prepare for that. The kids had to be bathed and starched mm-hmm. and pressed, mm-hmm. and animals yes. had to be yes. fed. It yes. was a
1: big deal. Yes, it was.
0: And it sounds like Vivian's mom was secure their pens and um, for the animals, and then the picnic baskets had to be filled with food. So tell us about the town of Tishomingo, Oklahoma, for those don't that don't know much about it. Because it was a bustling area at the time, right?
1: Yes, it was a hub for the uh, smaller communities around. Yeah. And uh, uh, the only reason why I know about Tishomingo, because my husband, Wayne, uh, was born there and grew okay. up there. Okay, yeah. And... Uh, uh, and that's where my uh, grandparents my papa and grandmother grandmama uh, when they retired from the uh, teaching on Indian reservations that when they retired they bought a farm hmm. not very far from Blue River and uh, north of Tishamingo and I enjoyed my times there oh, I bet. with them but Tishamingo is a uh, I've very, uh, of course, it's the capital there, the Chickasaws, mm. and uh, now it's a very, uh, very. A lot of people are there now. Yeah, that's what it was yeah. then. But my uh, husband grew up there, and his father had a grocery store. He grew oh, up there. Oh, nice. Had a grocery store there, but
0: do you think it's still there? The grocery? No. Oh, no, yeah. No, of course in not. Fact, uh, a-
1: the. Uh, Singer, country and western singer that lives down there now. Yeah, he's he has that oh. whole area where the his grocery, yeah, his dad's grocery store. Okay, was.
0: yep, I know who you're talking about.
1: Uh, I, it just <laughs> went over my head. <laughs> he
0: lives across the lake from my best friend's lake house down there.
1: Um, um, Hello, oh, uh, listeners, uh, who know, is it? He's from <laughs> <made> originally. <laughs> is it yeah, no, no.
0: He's a, he's married to a, f- a famous female. He was. country singers too, they right? They divorced. Oh, they did. Yes. Oh, that's too bad. Uh-huh, no. Well, never mind. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it? Oh, what is this? Oh, game? but anyway. Uh, uh, okay.
0: Anyway, well, we'll figure that out. I'm sure yeah. we're going to have listeners like write in and say who that was. Yes, it's going to drive yes, us crazy. I'll probably yes, call you at midnight yes. and tell you who it was when it comes to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tishomingo is a great town. I think yes, they've done a great job, yes. like fixing up some of the old buildings. There's a oh, fantastic have.
1: places to eat there, yes, and, and the Chicksaw Nation has done a lot. Go out. Yes. That's yes, right.
0: Yes. And it was actually named for the chief, Tishamingo, who died on the Trail of Tears. So I think that's a fitting uh, tribute to him to name yes, the town after yes. him. So, And the storekeepers there were reluctant to sell to Indians. So it was a treat for people to meet up in town. The Indians could meet other natives that were coming to town but there was an accident that occurred with the wagon when they were on their way to town. Tell us about that.
1: Oh, my little great grandmother, as I said, was only four foot eight and, uh, in one of their travels to town, uh, they were crossing the uh, slab where it's still there. And that's how everybody gets to the other side mm-hmm. of this waterfall. It's a slab. And, uh, uh my little grandmother was driving with the children across the river uh, and a snake spooked the horse. Oh my gosh. And the horse uh, oh. took off through my grandmother who was driving out of the wagon. And she fell to where the, the uh, back wheel ran over her leg. Oh my
0: gosh. And she
1: got gangrene of the leg. And uh, had to have it amputated. And, and she uh, has all these kids at yes, home, and her husband's yes, always and, out inventing something. That's right. And there she was, going through all of that. Darn. Snake. And uh, I know she had a wooden leg too.
0: Really? Yes.
1: Edna. Uh, did she ever tell
0: you that story about the wagon? Oh yes, Accident? Yes. Okay. That's Granny so interesting.
1: Did. She, uh, uh, and every night she would always take her wooden leg off and put mm-hmm. it under the bed. And I would always feel sorry that she didn't have it. But she never complained. She never complained. It's a Chickasaw yes, way. Yes. Gotta be she tough. was strong. She had to be. She had to be. I, I don't even know how she raised all those it. kids I don't out either. there by herself. Oh, and, man. So, uh, <sighs> but she was a. Godly little woman, too, and I just oh, loved oh, I being bet around her. she was wonderful. Her. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just love the Choctaw and Chickasaw sides of yes. my family. I learned so much from all of them. I, so. I bet. I anyway, bet. Same. Just,
0: they left a big impression yes, on us,
1: didn't they? Yes, they, they truly. Hmm.
0: So, Charlie comes home and I love how you wrote that Abel didn't know he was coming and when he saw Charlie, he dropped the axe he was using and ran to meet him.
1: I love that part. (laughs) Yes, yes, he hadn't seen him in, in three years. Wow.
0: And I think about Abel and I just feel so much for him. He had gone through so, and so much, much and yes. and he had to give up some of his kids, right? Yes. When they were little oh, because yes. he was
1: Yes, they do uh, they went to relatives' houses. Yeah. Or to boarding schools. Right.
0: Oh, that's so, so sad.
1: Um, but he
0: loved his son, he oh, loved yes. Charlie, and
1: yes. so he yes.
0: drops the axe, he goes to meet him, and I really just feel like it's such a great depiction of yes. homecoming, yes. you know, Charlie coming home, and it's at this time actually that he tells Abel that he thinks he wants to marry Vivian, and so he headed off to the Hughes land and the Blue River yes. to see Vivian. Yes. Tell yes. us what happened next.
1: Well. Uh, uh, coming full around the bend of the river there, he saw Vivian, <laughs> and uh, she uh, stopped, and it was in just a total—I've always heard her tell my mother <laughs> <laughs> that she couldn't believe because she thought that she would—they would never be she able She thought it to was never going to yes. go anywhere. They just, both of them, just stopped and stared at oh, one I another, and and uh, and he, oh my papa had a when he did smile, and when he did laugh, he laughed all the way from his stomach. Oh, <laughs> I, I loved his laughter, but that's they just smiled at one another and had a uh, a big home uh, homecoming welcome. Yeah, and. Uh, and she was—well, uh, in fact, he was across the river, yeah. too, and uh, when she saw him and she just started—they started, they started <laughs> trying to get across the river. Oh, my to Just like in the movies. Yes, yes. So but cute. Uh, they uh, embraced, and, and uh, it was the beginning of a truly love story. Truly?
0: And that passed down yes, to you know yes. you and Wayne had that oh, kind of yes, as a, yes. something to mimic. Yes, and being married lovely.
1: sixty years, we wow. Yes, it sixty had years. Be, yes.
0: Aww. I love how you write about listeners. You have to go get the book to read this part because it just makes you cry. Yeah. Um, it says 200 yards from the cabin, Charlie could see Vivian wading across the narrow place in the river through the shallow water. She was not carrying a basket of flowers as he had dreamed she would be. Instead, mm-hmm. she had her dress tied up around her thighs and was carrying mm-hmm. a baby pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, love it. So the piglet hurried off to find uh, its mother as uh, Vivian uh, ran to throw herself into Charlie's waiting arms they kissed a very short and reserved kiss then vivian pushed him in the chest for not telling her he was coming yes, yes. <laughs> she argued that she was a mess and that he had seen her with a pig of all things um and then he asked her the question right
1: yes oh, yes yes this makes my yes. girl heart happy <laughs> yes. would she be ready then now that that The opportunity for them to marry. Mm -hmm. But he had to go back to Pennsylvania. No! uh, But uh, she did feel like that he truly wanted to marry her. Yeah. And uh, for him to even come back to to, uh, want to see her. Yeah. And to establish that he did love her. Exactly. And uh, wanted to make a life with her when it was the time was ready mm-hmm. for him to be educated, finish his education, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he had to go back to Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, and of course he and Vivian wrote letters back and forth, and you mentioned in the book that sometimes he would write the letters in Choctaw. Do you have those particular letters by any chance? No,
1: my uh, grandmother always said he would it. Sometimes he would do that just to uh, keep their heritage. That's great. Long.
0: That's great. Because mm-hmm. he could have easily dropped that, as yes, many people did, yes, and then there's generations yes. of people who will never speak right. Choctaw because of that. So, uh, the next school year started, which was Charlie's senior year, and Charlie was put on the varsity football team. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even though he was pretty small in His stature, stature he was as I pretty said, good,
1: 135 right? pounds, but he loved to hit. So.
0: and how did he play that that year?
1: He did well, well, his senior year was when uh, uh, they were playing a uh, a school that was very tough, but mm. uh, <laughs> my mm. papa became known for the last because he uh, had made a touchdown oh. when it was very crucial in the game. And it they won the game because of
0: it. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. And in his senior year too, yes. which is awesome. Uh, yes. He's gonna go yes. out with a
1: bang. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes.
0: But it's interesting how by his senior year you mentioned in the book that the non native students began to admire the Indian boys for multiple reasons. Oh, yes but especially because of their determination mm-hmm. to never give up it mm-hmm. had to have been inspiring It was. um yeah and i mean it had to have been tough mm-hmm. they did really mm-hmm. well and as you state in the book with men it is impossible but not with god for with god all things are possible mm-hmm. mark ten twenty seven. Mm-hmm. so dr irvine invited charlie to his office and instructed him that it was time to apply to princeton charlie would in fact be the very first native american to graduate from mercersburg And also going on during this time, on April 6, 1917, President Wilson asked Congress for a declaration of war. And so many of the men graduating would go on to fight in the war. Um, So the day finally came and Charlie um, heard word about Princeton. What did he learn?
1: That he had been accepted in Princeton. That he got in.
0: Wow.
1: And, uh, uh, but in in that the excitement, and he knew that the war was, on mm. um, World War One, right? And he had the desire that he needed before he attended Princeton that he needed to go into World War One. In fact, there's a letter in his files that when he asked the headmaster if he could be released to to uh, serve. His country, mm-hmm. that the uh, uh, his race of people serve our country, and that he wanted to go into World War One, hmm. and if he would release him to go into World War One, and and he did say, but you're you have the obligation that you've got to come back to Princeton after you serve. Okay, so he's like. Dr. Irvine says, yes,
0: you can go, but you must
1: stick to your word to go to Princeton afterwards.
0: Okay, so that's a big (laughs) pill to swallow. But, um, yeah, I love that Charlie was like so many um, of our Native people who really did want to serve our country. And um, so at this time, Charlie and his fellow classmates graduated from Mercersburg, and Charlie went to say goodbye to headmaster Dr. Irvine. The student and the headmaster for the last time stood eye to eye. There was obvious heartfelt emotion and respect for the other as they embraced for the first and only time. Charlie had a big lump in his throat and Dr. Irvine for once had a hard time speaking. With watery eyes, Charlie walked out of Dr. Irvine's office without looking back. As he left the school by train, he found himself murmuring the words to a song. He was so accustomed to singing, but had never sung alone. What were the words to that song?
1: Cheer for Mercersburg, let us fight and support her forever. Come, boys, raise a song and a cheer. O oh, Mercersburg, to you, our foes will remember today how our boys swept triumphantly to victory and sang as they went through the fray. Oh, Mercersburg, oh, Mercersburg, is ours forever. Kind of puts some pride mm, in you, doesn't mm, it? Yes, it does. And for me to have heard students, you know, we've been back several times. Oh, wow. To the academy and and presented my papa's story to the students. And the headmaster there that, uh, when all of this was discovered, and all as accredited, my papa, for opening doors to all the different ethnic groups he he was the one that had allowed it all to open up to others. Wow. So uh, he had no uh, idea probably no, back then no, what that door would no, open. That's right. It's fascinating. So it is. It is. Oh. And and when we do go when we would go back for all of our uh, presentations and all to the students and and uh, you wouldn't believe what well, we've given Papa's story to a lot of students that have encouraged them to, uh, if he could do it back then, absolutely, then I could certainly uh, achieve greatness now.
0: Absolutely. It's <laughs> so, uh, so inspiring. Uh, yes. When you read that book... It just really, you feel that, you feel that, and it's called Touched by Greatness, and it's inspiring greatness, it's Touched by Greatness. So after graduation, Charlie went back home to Oklahoma, and he reunited with his father and with Vivian. So Charlie enlists in the service and he's uh, he has to enlist in Pennsylvania since he had been a student there and he couldn't enlist with his fellow Oklahomans. After basic training, he was sent to officer training school in Texas due to his education and enlistment test scores because he was so smart. Mm-hmm. So that's our Charlie. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: and he was also commissioned as a second lieutenant, correct? Yes. And which made him the very first Mm -hmm. full-blooded American Indian to be commissioned in the military. Mm -hmm. So the war ended on November 11th, 1918. And Charlie was stationed at Camp Logan, Texas. And he wasn't allowed to leave. So Vivian came to Houston. And during a three-day pass, they married on November 16th. And Mm -hmm. then they honeymooned in Galveston. Then they settled into a room, um, extended to officers. And then what happened in February of the next
1: year? (laughs) Uh, my little mother, uh, their first child, uh, she became pregnant. Oh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, it was a, uh, they were very excited that they were going to be able to have a child. and oh, I and bet all. he was so yes, excited. Yes, he was. My papa was.
0: That's amazing. And And then he also applied to get uh, a job at the BIA in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I noticed in with this update, there's something missing in this part of the journey. He still hasn't fulfilled his obligation to Mr. Wanamaker to go to Princeton. So, you know, there's this struggle, um, in 1919, Charlie wrote to Dr. Irvine saying, I respectfully and most humbly declined the appointment to Princeton University. It's been the most difficult decision of my life. And what did D- Dr. Irvine say?
1: <laughs> and this could have been the reason why my papa never spoke very much of Mercersburg, of his experience other than he was highly educated Mm -hmm. at Mercersburg Academy and and of course he was always, I still have his yearbook from there and when he graduated and his banner and all but Mm. uh Dr. Irvine was very disappointed and he told him you're making a big mistake, the biggest mistake of your life and uh You should leave your wife in care of family and report to Princeton uh, as scheduled. And to do otherwise, you will be letting down everyone who believed in you, and you will be dishonoring your race of people. Oh my gosh. You're not only dishonoring them, but you are also dishonoring yourself. And this Always was in his folder. Oh, really? Yes. And most of all, you're letting down Mr. Watermaker. So, Whoa. and in this, evidently my papa really felt like that he had, uh, uh, he had carried that on his shoulders, so he didn't... It, didn't talk about it. He was a humbling man anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't talk of it very much after that. It uh, really got uh, to him, when In he the said. family, he didn't talk with his children, Oh wow. my mother, and about it very much.
0: I mean, it, that really hit him hard, because he yes. had a lot of respect yes. for doc- Dr. Irvine. Yes, yes. I wonder if back then, if he was kind of like... Well, Mr. Wanamaker, yes. you? I mean, <laughs> Dr. Irvine, yes, yes, I understand, but—, but.
1: Yes, but Aww. but, but uh, this is the only reason why we have come to the conclusion that, that that's why he didn't speak very much of all of his accomplishments yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, my and goodness. All. And this is the things that we discovered, along with the historian and archivist that discovered his history uh there and um i can tell you uh when they discovered it and doctor uh our mr uh hale who was the headmaster that we visited with and to ask when we were coming that they discovered something uh, told us if i didn't write my papa's story that uh, uh the archivist and historian wanted to get with me and write his story. Really? But of course my husband, I knew he always <laughs> said when he'd retire he'd love to write a book. And then so when we were looking at his files and all, and Doctor Mr. Hale told us uh, about this, uh, I turned to my husband and said, okay.
0: We're gonna write this
1: book. We're gonna write this book. Yeah, and and he said, "I'm ready. I feel it. I feel we need to write his story. You, you know his heart, and I can sure be the one that we can bring it forth." Amazing. So, and going there to Mercer'sburg really pushed that even further. Yes, it did. I appreciate
0: Mr. Hale though, the headmaster there for, uh, you know. Sharing that information yes. with you because he easily could have not, and
1: That's then also right. encouraging you That's in a way right. to write the book. <laughs> but see, it made history for the academy. It opened up a door That's to amazing. the academy, and and they've got a big my papa's story and all. I mean, it's it's still I love a, that yes, and honoring it's well a big deal. And did night in two thousand seventeen. When we went back and was he was so honored. Well, wow. that's
0: fantastic. And there's a videos really on that.
1: it, <clears throat> and all through the academy. So.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if anyone goes to Mercersburg <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Let us it's know. beautiful,
1: <laughs> and uh, uh, there were TV stations from Maryland and from Pennsylvania all around that came to his ceremony, his I celebration. Love that. And the Choctaw Nation was represented. Chief Chief uh, Batten sent the historical, the history. Like the of, team? Uh, yes, the team. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. Yes. Way yes. to go, Chief Batten, yes. as well, supporting yes. this effort and keeping oh, that story yes. alive. Yes. Preservation is. is what it's all about. <clears throat> yes. So I, when I read the words of the actual uh, quoting from Dr. Irvine, I it was so cringy. I had a hard time even reading those words in the book. So Charlie wrote back a big letter of apology and Dr. Irvine just kept sending back letters of condemnation. So, and they never spoke again, right?
1: No. Oh, no. wow.
0: So as hard as it must be for some of us to understand Charlie's declining this opportunity to go to Princeton, he took the path that felt right to him. And he was gonna be a father and he went on to be a teacher, correct?
1: Exactly. He and my grandmother both. It's wonderful. Uh, both were educated uh, at East Central University, and they went on to the University of Oklahoma. And then in the summer times, when they uh, were not teaching on the Indian reservations, they would go to Columbia University. It's amazing. Yes, it is.
0: And uh, what did they do at Columbia?
1: Uh, well, they took their courses there. So they also
0: went to Columbia, both of them. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it,
1: uh, uh, But then they brought back, and you know what was just discovered by uh, a McGilberry cousin of mine that does a lot of research on our families too, on the, the McGilberry side. Uh, when my Uh, Papa and Grandmama went to Picarese, taught on Picarese Indian Reservation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Papa brought forth all of the agricultural knowledge that he had learned at Shalako, which was very smart. Yes. He took it to the Picarese tribe and uh, the interior, the U.S. interior of agriculture saw what uh, he had taught the Picareese uh <laughs> on the Indian Reservation and what they were doing agriculturally. And he invited them to the White House. And my papa and papa never spoke of this either. <laughs> and I just learned it. I just learned it about three months ago. That's amazing. That he met President Roosevelt. And they danced at the White House, the picarese Indian.
0: That's incredible. Yes. See, the story just keeps unfolding. Yes, yes it does. It does. So I love uh, that story. And, but he
1: never spoke. He was so humbly.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds he, like it. He
1: was. And he, all he wanted to do was educate the little Indian children to where that they would be, could accomplish more than what they thought they could. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> I love when you talk about your papa. Your eyes kind of uh,
1: yeah. light up a little bit.
0: What, tell us some of your memories about your papa.
1: Oh, well, as I said before, uh, there was a connection between the two of us. I don't know if it was because of my joy in life as a child, and, and I loved being around him. But one thing, as a baby— he always would hold me in his arms and, and as a baby and as a young toddler and i connected with him then even and he would tell me stories he'd tell me stories about a bird or about this and, right <laughs> and we would spend time outside and he would tell me and and the songs of the different birds and and what the sounds and what nature. He loved to teach me about nature, <laughs> I love so that. Uh, uh, I was very close to him. As I said before, he taught me everything. He was You
0: were his little bird. Yes, his <laughs> little
1: yellow bird, little yellow hair. And in South Dakota, when they taught on the Ogallahu Sioux Reservation and spent summer times there. Uh, of course, they at that time, the Ogallala Sioux Indians, didn't allow the uh, mm-hmm. white man in to their ceremonies, reservation. Yeah. But there I was as a little girl uh, dancing with,
0: <laughs> with them. And when
1: I turned 13, they made me a buckskin dress oh. and my shoes and moccasins. Do you and still I, have that? Oh, yes.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes, That's so I special. Do.
1: Yes, I do.
0: And there's more so, memories in the book, you guys. So be sure to check that out. There was one more I wanted to ask you about, though, that I thought was so funny. Like he spoke multiple languages, correct? Yes, he did. And then tell us about the Christmas songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every Christmas, of course, my grandmama's uh, siblings and their family, we'd all get to to be at my granny's. Yeah. In uh, Tishomingo, and. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, my uh, Papa would sing uh, the we'd go caroling yeah. together as a family. We'd carol the neighbors and all they would. Uh, my little granny would want us to carol people, their neighbors <laughs> and all. Whatever we would all do as a family and uh, my Papa would sing the songs, the carols, sometimes in different language.
0: Nice.
1: And, uh, and he was uh, singing, I think, in uh, French at that time, <laughs> a song. And one of my grandmother's sisters said, I want you to listen to Charlie. I want you to listen to him. He doesn't even know the words to the <laughs> song. <laughs> and so we've always laughed about that. <laughs> I we not know, what yeah, is he singing? And, uh, she doesn't even know <laughs> the words to the song. <laughs> but we've always thought about and told about that. But we, when we'd get together, there was so much laughter. Yes. That, you know, there's always the Indian humor. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's i all dry like, yeah. and <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> but just dearly love it. That's so, so sweet. Those
0: are great memories. I'm glad you've captured yes, a lot of these yes, memories in the book yes, and elsewhere. Yes. So, But listeners, there's even more to Charlie's story after he turned down the Princeton offer. He went on to do great things. And there are quite a few interesting parts of the story that I left out of our conversation today for time's sake. So please go out and check out this book so you can get the whole story. One day, Charlie sat on his front porch reading the description of himself in his yearbook. Charles McGilberry. Here is Mercersburg's great novelty, the first real Native American to be graduated. In many respects, he is an anomaly. We do not find in Charlie the typical Indian features, but a round and chubby face. Neither. Neither do we find the tackature and sober representative of his race, but a laughing, amiable and talkative boy. Everyone likes Charlie Magoo. He can play football and baseball, write stories for the lit, discuss literature at the 15 meetings, and stir you with his eloquence when he orates. You have many friends, Charlie, who will follow with interest your career at Princeton. From the open window of the house next door, he heard a baby cry. Charlie marveled at his surroundings. Life was going on all around him. His entire life lay ahead of him and there were young Indian children out there to be educated and to benefit from the opportunities he had been afforded.
1: And my Papa Charlie slowly closed the yearbook. He held in his hands. You can do it. Mercersburg <laughs> would forever be in his heart, but it was now time to pass, put it in the past. The Ivy League Indian had come home he was indeed touched by greatness yes he was
0: yes he was (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) absolutely
0: Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the book Mm -hmm. but there's still so much more again (laughs) that i want you guys to read but also just this story continues to go on and as you can see when people research their stories there's always more that they find later on and there's connections that are made as you can see here today. (laughs) (laughs) But I hope you listeners have enjoyed this beautiful tribute to Charles McGilberry and Carol Lee's book, Touched by Greatness. Be sure to grab your copy on Amazon and please also consider checking out Carol Lee's late husband's book, Slim Pickens by S. Wayne Maxwell. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate your sharing about your beloved husband, Wayne. Mm -hmm. And about your papa, may their memories live on and your children and grandchildren Mm -hmm. and also in their writings. Uh So are there any words of wisdom, Carolee, that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Other than the fact that we're in the times of uh, our strength truly comes from a higher existence of God and that that we need to uh, to reach out because you never know when when you yourself is going to be touched by greatness hmm. and and it's only through God's hands and that's my my intake in life I love and that. Uh, so uh, I just would encourage people to reach up
0: absolutely it's great for Word greatness those are great words and that's coming from someone who has recently gone through quite a bit and is stronger than ever inspiring me um, oh, god bless you. thank you for sharing about your papa and preserving his memory for your descendants and others to learn about for generations to come god bless you god
1: bless you thank, thank you, you. <laughs> oh.
0: Big news, y'all. One of my favorite Choctaw authors, Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer, has a new writing course called Fiction Writing American Indians. This course is going to show you how to discover the insight you need to write quality, authentic stories, learn practical approaches to researching Native cultures, and get answers to hard questions. I'll be taking the same course, so I invite you to take it with me. Just go to AmericanIndians.FictionCourses.com, but don't forget to use the code Talk C-H-O-C-T-A-L okay when you're checking out so you can get $30 off. Yep. You're welcome. Learning stuff and saving money. Let's do this. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at NativeChalkTalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.